My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Monday the 20th of February. I'm Sam. And I'm Tom. Thanks for coming on the pod today, Tom. Zara was otherwise engaged. She's literally engaged. Literally engaged. Congratulations, Zara. I hope you are celebrating and not listening to this podcast. Tom, today I wanted to talk to you about what's been happening in India. That's right, Sam. It's a story that a lot of people may not have heard very much about, but it's got a rather dramatic headline. A calm news day disrupted. Indian authorities raided the offices of the BBC. Phones and uh, the laptops of some of the employees were also seized. After they released a documentary critical of Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi. Last month, the BBC documentary was banned across the country. So what's going on here? What's really behind these raids? And what does it say about the complex state of politics in the world's largest democracy? We'll get into that soon. Looking forward to this chat. But first, Tom, give me a sense of what's making headlines this morning. Environment Minister Tani Plibersek has said the federal government has no problem imposing obligations to address plastics recycling issues in Australia. Some problems have emerged recently following the collapse of the Red Cycle recycling program last year after revelations that some plastics which were meant to be recycled actually ended up in landfill. US Vice President Kamala Harris declared it had been formally determined that Russia had committed crimes against humanity in Ukraine. Harris made the comments ahead of the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine next week. The federal and Queensland governments have announced over $7 billion in funding for redevelopments ahead of the Brisbane 2032 Olympic and Paralympic Games. It includes a redevelopment of the Gabba. It also includes the construction of a new indoor arena in the Brisbane CBD. And today's good news, a 19-month-old baby has become the first child in the UK to receive a life-saving gene therapy treatment for a fatal genetic condition and is now a happy and healthy toddler. Teddy received a drug that was at one point the most expensive drug in the world before being heavily discounted by the UK's National Health Service. Okay, Tom, you've mentioned raids, religion. There's a lot to unpack there. Where are we going to start this conversation? Yes, a nice light start to your Monday morning, Sam. Um, It all circles around a BBC documentary that was fairly critical of Prime Minister Narendra Modi about an an incident in his past, which we'll get into in a moment. Uh, The Indian government was not very happy about this documentary. They banned it from being shared even on social media in India. And then a couple of weeks later, Indian tax authorities have raided, as I said, BBC offices in Delhi and Mumbai. Uh, Ostensibly, this is about a, you know, sort of a tax evasion story and they say it's kind of unrelated to the BBC thing. But the, the timing coming just a couple of weeks, of course, after the government banning a BBC documentary has led a few people to conclude that it's really more of a, a shakedown, I guess, an intimidation tactic. So that's the story that we've had over the last week. Um, and as as you say, Sam, there's, there's a lot that sits behind that. So there's a bit for us to unpack today. Well, why don't we go to some of the fundamental ideas we have to understand to get our heads around this story? Tell me a little bit more about India as a democracy. 
So maybe I'll start with a little bit more context about Narendra Modi and exactly who he is. He became Prime Minister in 2014. He sort of has a longer history than that in Indian politics, as we'll come to. And he's the leader of the Bharatiya Janata Party, the BJP for short, which is a party which has long-term associations with Hindu nationalism. So Hindu is the majority religion in India, about 80% of the population. It's got uh, a large Muslim minority, a number of other religions in the country, including uh, Sikh and, and a couple of others, but majority Hindu population. And, you know, for a long time, I guess on the fringes of the BJP, there have been some, you know, extreme um, violent and even sort of fascist ideologies associated with that that kind of, you know, the more extreme versions of Hindu nationalism. They have always been on the fringes of the party, uh, but under Modi's administration, there have been growing concerns uh, about the treatment of Muslims and other minority groups in the country. So that that's one thing that international agencies uh, have have expressed concerns about. Uh, but then also there is this issue of press freedom and generally the response to dissent. Uh, so this idea of raiding the officers of the BBC is not entirely new. Amnesty International was chased out of the country a little while ago. Oxfam had their officers raided. Uh, a number of journalists uh, have been imprisoned for various reasons and there are other kind of, you know, generally speaking, threats towards hostile media organisations is certainly a concerning development. It's something that major press freedom organisations have had a lot to say about. So the organisation Reporters Without Borders, which does its sort of World Press Freedom Index, India has slid to 150th out of 180 in the world. Um, And that organisation, you know, really says that press freedom is in crisis in the country and under severe threat. So so both of these themes, um, this kind of issue of the treatment of minorities and the issue of the treatment of the media, uh, are really important scene setters for this story. And then we have this documentary that was released by the BBC. Can you talk me through what it was about and why it caused such a stir in India? Yeah, so the documentary takes us back to riots in the state of Gujarat in 2002 uh, where there was this flavour of, uh, I guess, violence against minorities, against Muslims specifically. So Narendra Modi was the chief minister, kind of like the, the premier of Gujarat in 2002, when uh, there was an incident, a, a train was set fire to carrying a number of Hindu pilgrims. The circumstances of that fire are slightly controversial, but I guess the important thing for this story is that It was generally viewed at the time that this had been an act um, carried out by Muslim protesters. And what happened in the subsequent days and weeks was this quite systematic campaign of public violence directed at the Muslim community in Gujarat. So over a thousand people, mostly Muslims, were killed uh, and houses and businesses were set fire to. It was a really, really significant period of very nasty violence that followed this incident. Right, and how much do we know about Modi's involvement 21 years ago? That is a tricky question and that is really some of the territory that this BBC documentary has waded into. So Modi, of course, was the chief minister, so there's always going to be some question about this happening on his watch, but it goes a little bit further than that. Uh, Even at the time, there were suggestions that Modi had encouraged the violence and had even directed police to stand aside, basically allowing the protesters to to commit this kind of violence with impunity. That's something that Modi denies, but it was taken, you know, pretty seriously at the time. This is not some new revelation that's recently come to light. This is a controversy that has long dogged Modi. Uh, The US, uh, a few years after this happened, had actually banned him from entering entering America for a while. They reversed that eventually when he became Prime Minister. But but they came to the conclusion there that, that he had a, a significant role 
in encouraging these riots. And so it is a significant part of his legacy. And the BBC documentary, I guess, went back over some of that history but also added some new perspectives to it. So there are a couple of particularly key claims that the documentary made. One of them was that the death toll was a lot higher than was reported. Mm. Um, But the other one is that Modi, uh, you know, is alleged to have a more direct role than was maybe previously thought. In particular, there's a document that the BBC documentary managed to get from the UK Foreign Office, um, which had sort of cables from diplomats at the time, using words like, you know, Modi was directly responsible and describing what happened as a pogrom and, you know, really kind of using maybe probably stronger language than we've certainly heard in an official sense, uh, which indicated that even at the time, um, you know, at least the British diplomats in the area, uh, you know, had this view that Modi definitely had some involvement. Okay, so a documentary that revisits this period of Indian history with direct consequences for the current Prime Minister. The documentary was banned in India. Could we watch it anywhere else? Uh, So it was aired in the UK. I mean, I think there are various ways to access it around the world, but it was in India where the government particularly cracked down on its distribution uh, on social media, even sort of sharing clips of it on social media. They invoked emergency powers to, to do it. So it was obviously something they took very seriously. And spokespeople from the government and from the BJP have been, uh, shall we say, fairly strong in their response to the documentary. A government spokesperson called it hostile propaganda and anti-India garbage. Mm. Uh, A BJP spokesperson um, said the BBC was the most corrupt organisation in the world. They've accused the BBC of, you know, a classic colonial mindset and, um, you know, saying that India has press freedom just as long as you don't spew venom. And I guess it's phrases like this that mean that when we then see the government in an unrelated, quote-unquote unrelated circumstance, uh, rating the the tax offices of the BBC, where, where people maybe kind of question whether those things really are unrelated and where certainly a lot of the response has suggested that this is part of, a, you know, the Indian government's attempt to intimidate the BBC for its critical reporting of the Prime Minister. Okay. Give me a sense now of the global response to this. And has the opposition in India said anything about this? It has. So the major opposition party in India, which has been in power, you know, for a very long time, uh, was really, I guess, the establishment party in India for a long time. That's the Congress party. And a senior opposition figure from the Congress party, you know, said that the move reeks of desperation, called it undemocratic and dictatorial, um, and, you know, that they've been pursuing this line for a long time, that, that Modi has been moving in a more authoritarian direction. It's been quite complicated in the UK as well. Uh, Rishi Sunak, as it happens, is uh, the UK's first Hindu prime minister. And he's come under pressure from members of the Conservative Party. There's a a UK member of the House of Lords, uh, Lord Rami Ranga, who attacked the BBC. He wrote a letter to the Director General insinuating that Pakistani origin journalists must have had something to do with what he described as nonsense. So, you know, pretty kind of cookie cut racial slur there from him. And that's something that's drawn a lot of criticism. He's a prominent Conservative Party donor. So it has been quite controversial in the UK as well, certainly making international headlines as well. And again, you know, this is a pretty a pretty big deal. Um, I guess a spat between two countries, the UK and India are trying to negotiate a free trade deal at the moment. There are a lot of reasons why this is a really sensitive issue. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Tom, can we now zoom out and look at this in a global context? What does all of this mean for us? I'll start with the fact that this kind of trend in the world's largest democracy is obviously a concerning one. And 
I think, the growing figure of Modi who draws comparisons in his approach um, to the likes of, of a Donald Trump in America in, in that kind of strongman image. Yeah. Uh, you know, Modi has enormous popularity um, in areas of the country where there are high concentrations of Hindu people. That, that's not a universal story, but he certainly does enjoy a really strong portion of the vote among some of those communities. And he's well and truly expected to be re-elected when the Indian election occurs next year. He, he's well and truly, you know, a, a dominant figure in Indian politics. And so this increasing trend towards, um, you know, I guess human rights concerns, concerns about freedom of expression, concerns about the treatment of minorities, that's a really concerning one. It's also really interesting in a strategic context as well. Mm. I mean, Australia and the US see India as a really strategically important ally in growing tensions with China. India and China are not natural allies, although they have some things to do with one another. Um, you know, quite recently, the the Quad dialogue that Australia and the US have started with Japan and India is a sign of how, you know, those countries would like to move towards greater security cooperation with India, and so would the UK, which is again why why this issue with the BBC becomes a bit of a bit of a complicated one. The the West has been trying to pressure India on, you know, how it responds to to Russia's war in Ukraine, and India has remained very neutral when it comes to that. So there are a lot of reasons why why India matters, and that's why maybe the note that that I'd finish on is that. I suspect some of these details about the internal politics of India will be fairly unfamiliar to many, and that's that's fair enough. We don't always get a lot of coverage of India here in you know in Australian news, and it doesn't always make international news. Yeah. But India's a, India's a big deal, you know. Um, it is the largest democracy in the world, soon going to be the largest country in the world. I think it's fair to say that just about everyone in Australia has a pretty detailed understanding of say race relations in America. But I'd say that the general population's level of understanding here about some of those distinctions and, you know, internal conflicts uh, within Indian society, we know so little about that, so little about Indian politics. So, uh, you know, I think, I mean, that's on us here at the Daily Oz, but I think it's on everyone to kind of, you know, pay a little bit more attention. Countries like India and China, you know, we live in a global world and increasingly as that global world, um, I, I guess as peace in that global world comes more and more into question and, and as our security environment changes, it's really important, I think, to move beyond maybe some of the stereotypes we have of these countries and get a more nuanced understanding of how their politics works. Well said, Tom. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. Always appreciate it. Thank you. And congrats, Zara. Congrats, Zara. And if you learned something from today's episode, don't forget to hit subscribe so there's another banger TDA episode waiting for you every morning. We'll be back again tomorrow. Until then, have a fantastic start to the week. 